0: not hear what my lips say, but hear what your Holy Spirit speaks to their hearts. Open your word, Lord, to the living word, and may we have the will and the determination to act on what we hear. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, first of all, may I say what a joy it is for Billy and I to be back here. We pray for you often, we think of you often, and although we don't miss the busyness and the pressures of work, we do miss all of you, and we miss the thrill of worshipping here with you Sunday by Sunday in this wonderful, wonderful setting. I must say, coming back, that uh, unlike me, some of you look just a bit older, Um, (laughs) others are uh, wearing just a little bit better. Um, More seriously, some of the faces we knew and cared for are no longer here and are worshipping with the saints in heaven. We thank God for them. We thank God for the children born to some of you, fruit of some of the weddings that I conducted and especially we thank God this morning for the faces that we see who we do not know. You folk have come and joined this great fellowship in more recent years and who now will be wondering how it is that a minister who is so rude to his congregation managed to stay for 14 years. (laughs) Well it was a miracle of God's grace that you put up with me. And an even greater miracle of God's grace that I put up with you. <laughs> in any case, pleasantries aside, uh, today is your home mission, mission at home anniversary. So, what have I got to say to you about your task as working out this mission at home? How do we address that? I believe that the Methodist Church nationally is in desperate need of revival. Especially outside of London, things are in a bad way. For example, of the 47 churches of the Gloucestershire Circuit, where I'm a minister, a circuit steward now, we have closed five already this year. And at the age of 70, when I go and preach, I'm very often the youngest person in the church. If we look at the wider picture, we're part of the Christian community in Britain, which is facing a crisis. For the church nationally is in considerable decline. It was once said, most people have some sort of religion. At least they know which church they're staying away from. (laughs) And staying away from church is certainly what most people are doing these days. In 1980, 5,201,300 people went to church each week. 35 years later, in 2015, the figure had dropped to 3,081,500, a drop from 11.1% of the congregation worshipping each week to just 5%. The 2018 Social Attitude Survey tells us that whereas in 2002, 41% of the congregation said that they had no religion, last year, 2018, the figure had moved into the majority, with 52% of the population saying that they have no religion. And sadly, the decline within Methodism is still faster. Over nearly 40 years, dropping from 606,400 to last year, 186,787. Indeed, we seem to be fulfilling the words of the church growth theologian, Eddie Gibbs, who said, Most human institutions follow a predictable life pattern. They begin with a man of vision, Develop into a movement, degenerate into a machine, and end up as a monument. As someone else once remarked, the church is like a shop, well stocked shelves, happy staff, beautifully clean aisles, but no shoppers. Well, perhaps by now you're wondering why you bothered to come to church at all this morning. You thought you were going to have an encouraging mission at home anniversary service with an inspiring sermon from a preacher that you remember as sometimes being quite amusing. In retirement, the poor old chaps obviously turned into a real misery. Perhaps you remember the story that he once told of a teenager who was sent to the station to meet the visiting preacher. You'll know him by his clerical collar his parents said. But when the train came in, the teenager couldn't see the clerical collar anywhere. Finally, he approached the man that he was sure it might be. Excuse me, sir, he said, are you the visiting preacher? No, he said, I'm not. I look like this because I've got really bad toothache. (laughs) Now, when you hear all this, you may well say to me, But Martin, that's you out in the countryside. That's not us in London. That's not the Methodist Central Hall Westminster. We are thriving. We are growing. We don't have these problems. We are one of the flagships of Methodism. Yes, you are. And I thank God for that. But if you sit and rest on your laurels, I can guarantee to you that in time you will slip and slide in every way and end up in much the same state as many other churches. In the book of Revelation, we read about the church in Sardis and God says to them, Revelation 3 and verses 1 and 2, You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Now there's no way that you're like that church in Sardis. For this is one of the most lively and loving fellowships around. But there's a warning here. You cannot survive on past reputation. We ca- you cannot bask in happy memories of great former days. You cannot fool yourselves that because you worship in such a magnificent space that you are a magnificent congregation. So perhaps this visit or mission at home Sunday is to remind you that this church is dependent upon each one of you to continue moving forward. Not upon Martin or Tony or Keena. not upon the church office team, Not upon the church leadership and stewards. This church moving forward is dependent upon each one of you. For the building of of, of the church is not the church. And the leadership of the church is not the church. You are the church. So how can you be the people engaged in mission and evangelism? How can you reach your family and friends and neighbours and work colleagues for Christ? For this is your church, each one of you. And as you approach it, please don't feel guilty because you don't evangelise. As you approach it, please don't feel overwhelmed and inequipped and useless. Rather, be quite sure that each one of you is the person God loves and the person God can use to share this love of his with other people. For God uses ordinary Christians, people just like you, for the building of his kingdom. When I was a young minister in the Bradford Methodist Mission, it was quite a difficult time. Because the terrible mass murderer, the Yorkshire Ripper, was abroad. And in the whole area, Leeds, Bradford, Halifax, people wouldn't go out. And our evening congregation, which was several hundred, dropped to a lot, lot less. And people were scared because they thought they might encounter this person. And of course there was great speculation as to who this Yorkshire Ripper was. Well we had a regular member of the congregation, a somewhat rough looking brother called Keith and he was desperate to know God, desperate to find faith. And one of the congregation very helpfully tipped off the police that he was the Yorkshire Ripper. Now... That's a great welcome, isn't it, for people that are looking for faith, when he ends up getting uh, picked up by the police and questioned. But in spite of this somewhat unwelcoming approach, Keith kept coming. He was desperate to know God. And he sat through evangelistic appeal after evangelistic appeal from all the best preachers in Methodism, and it never became real to him. Biddy and I then moved about 15 miles across the Pennines to Halifax, where I was the minister there, and he often came over to our church there and would sit in the congregation and hear me preach. And one day he turned up on the doorstep and he said to me, I've got it. I've become a Christian. I said to him, that's just great. And in my arrogance, I said, who was preaching? What a typical response from a preacher. Then I was humbled when he said to me, "Oh, well, there wasn't a preacher. I called to see my mum in her sheltered housing complex. And the warden asked me in for a cup of tea. And she was a Christian, and she explained the faith to me. And for the first time, I understood it. And I committed myself To follow Jesus. If there was a football match, if that was a football match, the score would be arrogant preachers nil, humble Christian women (laughs) ten. A mission at home is just like that. It's ordinary folk like you sharing the good news with ordinary folk. And here in this lovely passage from Peter's first letter, we have four excellent pieces of advice as to how best we share it. You've got it on your sheets there. You might like to follow through as I preach. First verses 8 to 12, get the base camp right. Now you might think it an odd thing when I'm talking about mission about sharing the good news of Jesus with those outside of the church, that I start with the church, the community of faith. But I believe it's here in church that you receive the confidence to go out. We had a a new front drive laid in our house in Cheltenham. It was more than just laying a front drive. It was digging up piles of earth and doing all sorts of stuff. We had seven men turn up on the Monday morning. By the Thursday evening, they hadn't laid one single paver. And when the base was right, on the Friday, they laid the lot and it was finished. They spent all their time getting the base right so that everything fitted in. And you've got a great base here in Westminster, the good foundations of sound teaching week by week. Somebody just said to me this morning, do you know I've learnt so much about the faith since you left? Well, (laughs) what a great word of encouragement that was. No wonder he's sitting here looking somewhat smug. But you get great teaching from this team, I, I know that. You get worship to thrill you and inspire you. It's just great to hear that, that uh, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. It really went, Ros even took her hand off the rail at one stage. You could tell that things were really going well there. Thank you so much, uh, thank you so much, choir. What, what a thrilling thing, seeing folk converted. Seeing folk converted, seeing folk healed. Through the healing ministry here. Having a loving community support you. This is what Peter says here in verses eight and nine. He says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with each other. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers and sisters. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. But with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. You see, when you do what the scriptures suggest living in harmony, sympathizing with those who are struggling, showing compassion to needy members or visitors, being humble before one another rather than one group lording it over another group, forgiving some harsh word that's been said. Loving all, regardless of whether or not you particularly like them, when you're part of a community like that, it gives you the confidence to go out and share the faith with integrity. Because you've seen that this faith business works. You've seen it in your community life together. You see faith and love working each time you come here. And so I'd say to you, my sisters and brothers in Christ, never fall out. Live with your differences in spite of strongly, however strongly you might feel about some matter. Affirm one another in Christ. For that way you will be working from a strong base which will resource your outreach. And then secondly, verses 9 to 17, get real about the cost. Verse 9 speaks about evil, an insult done to you. Verse 13, about those who might seek to harm you. Verse 17, about suffering for doing good. I make no bones about it. There is a cross at the heart of our faith, And there is a cost to following Jesus Christ. A cost to witnessing. We are so blessed here in the United Kingdom. In that there's hardly ever a physical cost to us for being a Christian. There is for many of our fellow Christians across the world. A terrible cost. Physically. Socially. Sometimes people even losing their life. Here in the UK, it's a lot easier, but there is still a cost. There's a cost for young people as they stand against the prevailing moral trends. There's a cost for working people as they work hard and exercise integrity. There's a cost for our families as we walk that extra mile to support them. And a practical cost as we give of our time and our cash to Christian work and other agencies supporting those in need. And then we as Christians, we, we know it I'm sure, are living out our faith in an often hostile society. For so many people today believe a parody as to what a Christian is. They see us as hard and judgmental. They see us as anti-women and anti-gay. They see us as hypocritical. No wonder they give us a hard time. And this sadly is not helped at all by some of our fellow Christians. I don't know where they find them. But so often if a Christian's being interviewed in the media, they are a bigot. And that makes a good news story. No wonder you feel a bit hesitant about witnessing. For yes, there is indeed a cost to it. But in fact, there is a far greater cost for the other person who you might have witnessed to. If you do not share with them God's love. For if they don't hear about Jesus, how can they know their sins forgiven? How can they know peace in their heart? How can they find new direction for living? How can they be set free from those things that hold them so tight? How can they face up to death with any confidence? Yes, get real about the cost when you witness. But remember that your silence leaves a far greater cost for those who've never heard that God loves them. And then third, verse 16, get ready to respond. When you move to a new place, you, you never quite know where you're going. And uh, I look after a little church on a council estate in Cheltenham, and uh, I heard that one of our members was none too well so I thought I'd pop round and see him I'd never met him before he was housebound and so I knocked on the door and he answered it I said I was a minister just down the road and he asked me in and his wife very kindly made me a cup of tea and we sat and we chatted had a lovely time and after a while he said to me did the hospital chaplain send you I said uh, no no it wasn't the hospital chaplain it was the church warden Francis who sent me he said who's she at which point I did what I should have done at the start of the conversation I said excuse me it is Ralph isn't it (laughs) no he said (laughs) it's it's John I thought I was at 22 Priors Road. I was at 22 Bouncer's Lane, (laughs) which is a parallel road to it. (laughs) But you see what an opportunity I had. I had a chat with him about how he was. He took me out and showed me the garden. We had a chat about the faith. I said a little prayer with him. And then I went and visited the person I was meant to visit. Uh, And I think that's what this means here in verse 15. It says in verse 15, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You won't get far in your Christian witness by nagging people or by going on and on at them about faith or by giving them the impression that you think you're holier than they are or by making value judgments about their attitudes or their lifestyle. Rather, wait your opportunity and when you have that opportunity, seize it and follow the advice here Do it with gentleness and respect. Gently does it. You're standing by the water fountain at the office and somebody comes up and says, what did you do for the weekend? Well, when you tell them what you did, don't conveniently miss out going to church because you might think that will make them think that you're a bit odd. Just put it in naturally. I went to the... Gym in the morning, I went out for a drink with friends on Saturday evening. Sunday morning, I went to church. Sunday afternoon, I cleaned the house. Naturally. When that friend of yours says, my little girl's really ill, just say to them, would it be okay if I asked the church to pray for her? Naturally. Naturally. When a person you know is feeling very guilty about something they've done, just have a chat with them. Don't be judgmental. Sit and listen to them with all the issues involved. And then perhaps tell them very gently, that for some people, when they know they've done wrong, saying sorry and confessing is a help. And open up the opportunity for them to respond if they want to. I could pile example after example. But why not set out to do exactly what Peter says here? Be prepared to give an answer. And when you do give an answer, do it gently. And show respect to their viewpoint, which may well differ from yours. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever it is... Whoever you are with, get ready to respond. And then fourth and last and most important, verses 17 to 22, get your role model clear. Verse 18 reminds us of the heart of the Good News Gospel. Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body and made alive by the Spirit. Why is mission at home so important? Why is your witness and the witness of this church so important? Because we have good news to share. And what fires us up to share is not the sermon from the preacher, nor the words of a book, nor the example of a friend these all may well be important but what will really inspire us to serve and to witness is to experience the love of Jesus Christ giving us a new start to experience the work of the Holy Spirit leading us day by day to experience the love of God flooding into our hearts and our lives Without that deep experience of God, you will have nothing to share. So if you're sitting here wondering quite what all this mission at home is all about, it may well be that you wonder that because you know in truth deep in your heart that you have nothing to share. You know that the love of God is not real to you. You know that the friendship of Jesus is not something that you understand. You know that the touch of the Holy Spirit has never been a part of your life. If that's you, why not ask for the forgiveness of God this morning? It's freely available through the cross of Jesus Christ, when he died on that cross, he died for you. Why not ask for a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit? Why not allow the love of God to so flood your life that you are assured that you are a woman, a man who God loves deeply and who has a good purpose for your life? so if you need to at the end of the service come before you have a coffee and ask those at the front who are praying to pray with you about these things if you need to but for all of us for all of us let's get the base camp right let's get real about the cost of witness let's get ready to respond when we've got the opportunity And let's get our role model clear and our relationship with God right. That we may live out the truth of this text. Then we will have the confidence to give the answer to everybody who asks for the reason, for the hope that we have. Let's pray together. Loving God, I pray for this base camp, for this great church. Thank you for it, but I just pray, Lord, that by your Spirit, this church may grow in every sense of the word, not just numerically, but in knowledge and love of you, in care for the fellowship and with a real heart for the city, as we sang earlier, the needs of the city.